Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Listen, God cares. God cares for you and the season that you're in. And uh, I hope that this last week you took a little bit of time and reflected on his goodness. You know, reflection is a discipline. Reflection. It is the immature that run into conflict, and then when it's over, they never reflect on what they could have done different. Reflection is actually maturity. God oftentimes causes us to reflect, not just be... Come on, does that make sense? Not just looking forward and trying to discover and achieve and do the next thing. And we are all people that we look forward so much. It's very easy for us to miss the moments of reflection where we've seen all that God has done in 2021. We have 34 days left in this year. 34 days left in this year. And I guarantee you, you can find some days that God's been good. You can find some days that God has been good. You may find yourself in the middle of this season of celebration, but you don't feel celebratory. And I would tell you that you keep your eyes. I love what Devin said. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Your focus is important. Your focus, what you're looking at. When my kids were young and We were teaching them how to catch a ball and how to throw a ball and how to shoot a ball and how to throw a ball. I would always tell them the ball will go where your eyes go. If you ever ride a bike, where (laughs) if you end up in a ditch, that's because that's where you were looking. Come on, somebody. If your car ends up in a ditch, you probably were not looking at the road. You were looking at your phone. Come on. I don't know how this happened. I know how. You may not want to hear it right now, but I know how. Come on, does it make sense? When our eyes get off and on temporary things, then we are at the mercy of what we're looking at. That's why we always want to lift our eyes higher, look on him, the author and finisher of our faith. Psalms Puts it this way, uh, 123 verse 2 says, Behold, as the eyes of a servant look to the hands of their master, and the eyes of a maid servant look to the hands of their mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord until mercy comes upon us. In other words, I, I know where my help comes from, and I'm looking to the Lord. In a hard season, come on, listen, I'm not looking to my employer, although it's good to have a good relationship. I'm not looking to my spouse, although they do play a part. I'm not looking to my kids, even though that is a very valuable relationship. I am looking to the Lord because the issues of my soul cannot be healed by anyone else, so I'm looking to him who can help me. Come on, does that make sense? It's in these moments that we focus on either the pain or the heartache or the discontentment, the discouragement. Or we focus on the Lord. I I remember an old story where this um, 
farmer who owned just a, a, a bunch of acreage, he, um, he was very particular over the first cut in harvest. He had this tractor and he would, he would, he never let anybody make the first cut because if you mess up on the first cut, then you're going to lose a lot of crop. And so his son grew up and went to college and his dad was in the back, a quiet man, um, reserved. And uh, as his son graduated and got his diploma, his dad, you know, strong man, a little, little tear or two. And he looked at him and he said, you know what, son, I got, got, I'm so proud of you. You're the first one in our family that's ever graduated college. You have achieved something really awesome. And I want you to come back home and you can make the first cut for harvest. Well, the, the son immediately knew. I mean, he'd worked on the farm his whole life and never been able to ride, drive the tractor. You know what I'm saying? And so he gets home and his dad pulls it out, the tractor out. And it's one of those, you know, nice tractors. It's got the air conditioning. It's got the radio. So he jumps in, turns on the jams, heads out, starts to make this cut. We're talking about a lot of acres. So he's cutting this first cut. He's in the second hour. He looks in his rearview mirror and here his dad's flying down the, I mean, his path. And, and you know, as a, as, a, as a son, you can always tell when your dad's frustrated. <laughs> it's, it, dads and moms just have a look, don't they? It's that you can just tell, uh, I don't know what I did. I don't know why I feel this way, but I'm sorry. You know, it's like, you just know. Well, he can see his dad, just this much of his dad's face in the mirror. He's, he knows he's in trouble. His dad comes right up to the tractor, jumps out, is waving at him. He st stops the tractor, opens up. What is going on? What are you doing? I'm cutting. You told me to cut. I'm cutting. I'm, I'm harvesting. I'm doing what you told me to do. No, 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 no. What are you doing? He goes, I don't understand. Look behind you. And behind him, the cut that he had made was like this. And he goes, oh, and it, and it, and it just hit him. I've messed it up. <laughs> and his dad's like, what are you? understand son what are you looking at he was like I was just cutting he was like you went to college you had four years of higher learning and they didn't teach you to focus on one fixed object you know a lot of times in our life when we take our eyes off the Lord our life begins to do this and we think we're just in the tractor trying to live life and manage where we're at and just trying to move forward. But God, God is saying, yo, if you will look at me, I will be your compass. I will be your fixed point in a world of philosophy that will tell you it's okay in, in, in this time but it's not okay in this time well everything in our world is shifting sand the what the world champions today they will change it in 10 to 12 years 
you can, you can, you can take that to the bank. And if you try to navigate your life based on the principles that are even moral in this world, your life will end up like this. And God wants us to have, come on, listen, a fixed point. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9 says this. I want you to see this. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9. For the Lord is not slow. Everybody say slow. slow. One more time. Say slow. In fulfilling his promises. Some of y'all, we just need to stop there. Because it's amazing how as we follow the Lord, we have portioned, we, have, we compartmentalize our spiritual life. And we have half of, he's awesome and wonderful and I'm full of faith. And then we have the disgruntled part of our soul that is like, man, you see me? You know what I'm going through? You know what's happening? You're kind of slow. You're kind of slow. But here's what the Bible says. Look at this. He's not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. He's patient toward you, not wishing that any would perish, but that all should reach repentance. Can I tell you that God is not surprised by 2021? God is not surprised by what's going on in our culture, our world, China, life. God's not concerned. He is waiting patiently, listen, so that people can repent because he's trying to give people as much time as they can. There will be a time, come on, hear me, church, that you will stand before the mercy seat. Jesus, the judge, will walk out, and you won't be able to blame your boss, your daddy, your mama, your sister, anybody. It will be you, and it will be God. Your wife won't be standing next to you. Your husband won't be standing next to you. You will bow down, and playing on the screen will be your life, and he will ask you, who did you serve? What did you do with what I gave you? And at that point in time, your addiction, frustration, or insecurity will be on trial. Your pride, distraction, he will count up the hours of YouTube. And he will say, is this why revival didn't happen? He will count up the hours of Spotify and Hulu and all the things that are because the church lost its focus. Win, listen, in the waiting. We've got to win in the waiting. Come on, look. He's not slow. Now, don't get me wrong. God gave us dominion, okay? Dominion means that, that the God should have wear the blue shirt and the green shirt. It's not wrong if you do. We'll speak, but God direct it, okay? When it comes to following God, amen, and praise the Lord. And, and when, when we say what God's going to do, yeah, I believe God's going to bless. Oh, yeah, it is. I believe God's got good things. Preach it. My 
favorite preacher? I believe God's going to have you wait a long time. Crickets. Everything burning in you is going to take a long time to get out. Amen. It's not what you hear. But I need you to know that throughout Scripture, God never moved fast when he was building a man or woman of God. There was a process. It took longer than they thought. And listen, there was a continual transformation and journey in order to unleash what was inside of them. For us. We don't like waiting. My son came the other day, and I was in a meeting, and he knocked on my door, and he said, Dad, we got to get ready to go. We gotta, i got to go to basketball practice. <laughs> Everything in him was just, like, amped up. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was on level 10. And I said, son, I'm in a meeting. We don't have to go right now. We're going to wait. Literally, you could see, like, his internal organs exploding it really didn't but that's the best I could do he was ah I said we're gonna wait and and me asking him to wait listen wasn't because our relationship was 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 messed up it wasn't because he was unimportant it wasn't because what I was doing was more important than he You know what I'm saying? And sometimes, I just need you to know that sometimes your waiting is actually God working. Now, I will tell you this. God, there's an open heaven. And we can pray and we can meet with God. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. and, And I would encourage you to go through our freedom where you can even be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I I just want to let you know, listen, that there is a communion between us and God. And we see from Scripture that God is a relational God. New Testament Jesus is very relational. Okay, does that make sense? Old Testament is piety pays, perversity punishes. If you don't listen and you don't listen to me, then something's going to happen. I'm going to judge you instantly. Jesus came and said, I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to wait and hold my judgment back until you meet me at the judgment seat. It's very relational, the New Testament. We believe that we can pray. We believe that we can come to the Father. But here's what I need you to know. Every time you feel unhappy, intimidated, or frustrated, God is not running to baby you. I feel unhappy. Everybody stop heaven. Because our culture is so insecure, we do a lot of things based on insecurity. I respond to that text because I'm a little insecure. A bit of having to deal with if I say what I want to say, it may not turn out the right way. And I, God doesn't be full of love and he doesn't come running to you. When you're unhappy. That doesn't mean that he's not approachable. You hear what I'm saying? I want to make sure there's balance. You can come to him when you're weary and you're hurting. But we're talking about God sometimes allowing you to walk through weight. 
God will deposit something in you. All in the Bible, there was something called seed. Time. I know it's a four-letter word. It is a four-letter word. And harvest. And harvest. Oh, grow it, God. But ain't nobody, amen, services and have commentary on the things I say. Have you ever watched the football games and the people are having commentary on the game? They're I want to just talk, record it, and then talk. But I, I want you to know I, I met someone at a park. I'm saying you can't. Two married one. Nobody's going to read it. She's like, and I was like, funny. <laughs> I just heard it. <laughs> my eyes are seeing more clearly and my ears are hearing more clearly. Where before my my. My eyes were blurry and my ears were full. And so I, what I could digest and the truth that I could digest was very, very small. But as I begin to grow, then everything around me begins to, listen, transform. And I begin to grow. And now 18 years, I'm finally like doing this one thing she likes. And I'm like, girl, wait, I might get one more in the next 18. I don't want to set the bar too high. But I'm trying. Here's the thing. Seed, time, and harvest. What we see in Genesis 11 through Genesis 25 is Abraham is living seed, time, and harvest. Seed is where something is planted. It's, it, it's sowing a seed. It's the start of more in your life. And here's what I want you to say. Some of you already have the revelation. That I'm going to speak. And some of you, it's being planted in your life right now. And we're not going to see the fruit of what you're getting deposited in your soul for six to eight months. Because the word has to go forth and it has to be caught and it has to be adopted into our life. And, and when do we know that we've adopted the word? When there is conflict. Do we go back to the old or do we go, no, that's not who I am anymore. And we move forward. Come on, does that make sense? Time is what does that. What about time? Time is what it takes to grow and mature. It's development. It's the process. It's formation of what was planted. You remember when you were a kid, like in the third and fourth grade, you put the bean and the water in the plastic bag and taped it to the window? My teacher was like, kids, you can have a plant. And I came back the next day. I had to get to school early. I needed to see my plant. I thought I was going to have a freaking tree. And she's like, Stephen, you just planted it yesterday. Well, how long does it take? I mean, like, let's get on with it. Science is boring. What do you mean you have to wait? Come on, hear what I'm saying. And, 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 and what happens is just because you're excited about a revelation that God has given you doesn't mean that it's been adopted. It's going to take some time. That's why James says that we can know a lot but not do a lot. Harvest is reaping the fruit that has grown in your life and it's the results of patience and diligence chapter 16 we're gonna go there in just a second is the hiccup in the middle of the road it's the part of abram's story that reveals what happens when you try to rush god's timing 
rush it. They, they try to rush it. I, oh, we're going to cram it through. We're going to get it done. Come on, say, don't rush it. At the same time, it shows us that God's mercy, even when we do rush it, he comes back around and he, his grace and his mercy flows and he reestablishes what we tried to control. Genesis chapter 16, verse 1. Genesis 16, verse 1. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. I, 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 I know this is night service, so I'm going to tell, tell all the things I didn't tell in the other service. All right. It's amazing what sticks around from your moments of compromise. See, when we go back and we look at the scripture, we know that this lady was given to Abram so that he would leave the city. You can repent from compromise, but it doesn't mean that there aren't things still lurking around. If Abraham, Abram would have stayed put, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. God will forgive you for every moment that you compromise. But that doesn't mean that there aren't things lurking in your heart. Come on. Thoughts, worldviews, motives that God needs to totally remove from your life in order for you to chase and run after the calling of God that he has for you. Come on. Here, here's the thing. Let's look at this. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant that it may... That it, Go into my servant that it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. And so after Abram lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarah, Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. So he remarried. Y'all see that, right? He remarried. I want to give you, we're going we're to read a little bit more, but I'm, I just want to break down because I don't want to read so much that you're like, blah, 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 and you miss it. <laughs> there are lessons and principles along the journey. And I am having to learn about waiting because we're in a building project. And, and, and one of the guys that is helping me uh, with the building project, he, he is good at waiting and I am bad at waiting. And so, you, this might surprise you, but there have been many times when I've been like, let's do something. <laughs> and he's like, we're going to wait. It's going to be right. We're going to sign the contract. We're going to look over things. Time is good. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, I can get some sticks together. <laughs> you know, the thing is that and I'm so excited because next week, it's, it's going to be on, right? Next week, we got concrete going back. We got framing going up. It's going to be so exciting. Come on, y'all. Y'all give a hand. But, but I don't know about you, but is there an in, internal timer in you? How many of you recognize the internal timer? Some of you are like, I don't know. I've never heard it go off. Yes, you have. 
I want to give you four ways to win in the wait. And the first one is you got to reset your timer. You got to reset your timer. Here is the thing we just read. Sarah, Sarai, and Abram have borne no children. And they are starting to feel the pressure. Now, I just need you to know that Abraham's about 86. Sarah's about 76. And they, we just read that they've lived in Canaan for 10 years. All of a sudden, you know what I'm saying? Like the timer is ticking. What are we doing? We're waiting here too long. See, some of y'all don't remember this, but I remember dial-up. Some of y'all remember. It's a painful a little trauma entered the room. I remember when we had to hit logging on to the internet. Can I just tell you this? You guys are got it so good. Y'all are always on. We had to log on. You know what I'm saying? Like we were off and we had to log on. And it took four to six seconds to get the page downloaded. How many of y'all remember that? Come on. Like... I, and, and listen, I lived out in the country, so it was like eight. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all had 2G. <laughs> now, if it takes longer than one second for us to get on the internet, we lose our minds. Oh, God, what's going on? Uh, it's amazing how we have a problem with waiting. For us, Many times frustrations happen because of unrealistic expectations. And we set arbitrary times to complete our expectations. And if it isn't reached fast enough, we re react negatively. This means that when our life goals or our task or the things that we want to achieve are moving slower than we initially expected, the inter internal timer goes off. And it invokes anger. Because we believe that we are being delayed. Come on. I just want you to know standing before you as a changed man. I used to be terrible at ordering food through the drive-thru. And don't judge me. Because I know some of you are just as bad. But with my personality. If you know me. I'm not sitting around trying to. just want to say this. If you're going through the drive-thru, the menu isn't really there for you to read. The idea of the drive-thru is you should kind of know what you want. Okay? And so there are people who actually go up and feel compelled to look at the whole menu because one thing may have changed. It hasn't changed. It's Taco Bell. And if it did change, it's not better. Get what you like. Come on, somebody. I got about six places that I go eat, and I don't need to look at anything. And here's the thing. I feel like sometimes God purposely gives me the 14-year-old on the speaker. Come on. That it is their first job. And they're learning how to communicate. And they're trying to take my order. And I've been ordering for 30 years. I know what I want. Just be quiet. I don't want the special sauce. I don't want onions. I don't want a biggie super fry. I don't want. I know what I want. Just let me order. <laughs> and so I'm going to tell you when this changed. This changed when my son was 14 and worked at McDonald's. <laughs> and I went through the order. 
I went to order something, and I had a challenging um, interviewer, uh, order taker. He was like, and so I I actually did good that time. And my son got off work, and he said, Dad, I heard you on the speaker. (laughs) He was like, you're getting better, but you're still pretty bad at this. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And so... A couple months ago, I went through um, another restaurant with him, and he, my son always gets nervous when I order because he thinks I'm going to do it wrong. And so uh, he's like, wow, Dad, you did so much better. I looked at him, I was, I'm growing. <laughs> Experiencing a little freedom. <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> uh, if y'all want a perfect pastor, that's the church down the road. I'm sorry. Um, here, here's, my, here's my point that I'm trying to make is many psychiatrists teach people to reset their internal timers by teaching them how to set realistic expectations. Most of the time we are frustrated because we know how long it should take and when it doesn't happen in the time that we think it should happen, we are frustrated. Come on, how many of you know how long it takes to mow your lawn? Come on, listen. How many know how long it takes to make dinner? Listen, listen to what I'm saying. And so when it takes longer than it should, this invisible timer is ringing our bell, and all of a sudden, we are frustrated on a fictitious timer. Abram is about to push God in to try to make God submit to his timetable. Because he is getting advanced in age. And I want you to see this. Abram has to learn how to reset his timer. Sarai has to learn how to reset her timer. If we don't learn how to reset our timers, then we are not going to win in the waiting. We're going to have an uh uh-oh. And I want to use this story so that we don't have to have an Ishmael in our life. Come on. And yes, God can redeem it, but still, it's extra. It's extra for you. I need you to know. And, And I think it's important for us to talk about this verse. I know that disgust fills the church when you read this because you're like, oh my God, what woman was that? Oh my God, I feel dirty reading it. It's so weird. But I, but I need you to understand, because we are sexually crazed culture, we, we view it in our cultural lens. This is not how God set it up, but I need you to know that there was a code of Hammurabi, and it was actually... Remember, God took Abram out of Ur. I don't want you to live under this law. I want to pull you out, and I'm going to heal you and deliver you. I'm going to give you my own concepts, and then we see the 12 tribe. We we, we see God growing. We see covenants. We see statures and promises and Moses and the Ten Commandments and Leviticus. Everybody see that? But back in Ur, back in this culture, this code, it was like 280 laws. And one of the laws states that if you had a wife that was unbarren, you could take the servant and have a child so that your family line would continue. Because back then, the land was so vast 
and people were dying so quickly that the only way to continue their family line was to have children. Does that make sense? God is saying, yo, Abram, I took you out of that worldly philosophy, and I'm not going to do it that way. And so I know many of you are, even as I'm talking about this, you're like, come on, does that make sense? Like, Jews based on circumstances. I have a plan. Trying to use the as disturbed. <laughs> We've got to reset our time purpose. God hasn't. God is. You're getting ready. This last. The second thing is this. We're getting words from the Lord. They were like, yeah, all in. Holla at your boy. This is great. It was silent. I want to put this in context for you. You're not going to be the father. I'm going to be Mama Nation. It's going to be great. We need to have a lot of kids' names. I go, we need to start thinking about it. Like, hear me. After six months goes by, oh, it's going to be so much. Maybe we have to. Year one, year two. Okay, well, I think we've been here long enough. I'm sure he's. Any. Year five. Told us he prophesied, he gave us this word, nothing's happened. Which could you go meet with him again? I don't know how to call him down. What do I do? He talks to me. I don't know. Hey, Abram, I got it. The coup, he said, Abraham, it's you. So I, I that we've been waiting all this time and you're nine. Your talents. And listen, we have an open heaven. We can talk to the Lord. He can communicate with us. I am not, sir, and it is not, it, it's not in his nature to repeat and repeat things at 27, at 36, at 41, and not try that character is for. Hear him, but he is still, come on, working. The third thing that we see, let's go back to our verse here. Let's go back to our verse here. So after Abraham had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt. I did in the first year, which you couldn't do your whole life. Act like Sarai was worthless. Began to despise her. Okay? Here, here we go. Let's continue reading. And Sarai said to Abraham, may the wrong be done to me be on you. I gave you my servant for your embrace. Sarai, girl, ain't my fault. <laughs> no. He said, behold, your servant is under your power. Do as you please. And Sarah dealt harshly with her and she fled from her. And the angel of the Lord found her by the spring in the, of the water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarah. Then he begins to say that I'm actually going to do something with you and your son. God's going to do something. He's going to multiply. He's going to be, uh, uh, he, he's going to. Well, let me explain. Uh, <laughs> I've been heckled by a lot of people, but not Siri. 
Come on. L- listen. Listen. I want to skip to verse 13. Look at this. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. And she said, truly here, I have seen him who looks after me. Here's what I want to tell you. Is we talked about the first one. The fir- we're talking about four ways to win in the wait. The first is you've got to reset your timer. The second one is we embrace the silence. The third is we've got to check our attitude. Come on, we've got to check our attitude. There is so much drama in this chapter. We've got a lot going on. That's cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, what do y'all want to do? We're just kind of having church here. <laughs> I'm going to talk about attitude right now. My attitude. <laughs> okay. All right. Listen. Sarai and Abraham were losing hope in God's word. In what he had said. Sarah challenges Abraham, make something happen. I, nothing is, we've been 10 years, let's do, please. Abraham takes a new wife, and the new wife, Hagar, is giving attitude to the old wife, Sarah. Sarai. We see that Sarai isn't having any of this. And it's about to, you know what I'm saying, circle in a V. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're about to get rough. I ain't taking none of this. Abraham is like, it's not my fault. And everybody in the camp is like, yeah, it's your fault. It's pretty much your fault. Here is my point. Abraham, Sarai, and Hagar's attitude in the story needed adjustment. Your attitude sets the culture while you're waiting. And I need to tell you this. I appreciate that you're waiting. But if you're waiting sour, if you're waiting, come on, with an attitude that doesn't have any gratitude. If you're waiting disgruntled or frustrated, then here's the deal. You're going to wait longer. Come on. Your attitude sets the culture while you're waiting. A negative attitude will hinder future advancements. God isn't avoiding you. He is testing you. He's developing character. He's wondering if you want it long enough to wait on it. The church would be full if God did everything automatically. God, I... I, Touch me and give me my ministry. I don't want to build my character. I don't want to be able to handle my finances. I don't want to be able to overcome lust or pornography. I don't want to be able to manage my depression. But I want you to give me my ministry right now. I don't want to be able to. Can I just tell you this? God does miracles. But if you're praying that God does a miracle that develops your character, then that is not a miracle That God usually answers. 
God is not going to intervene and supersede and touch you in an area that you're supposed to be developing. That's why you jump into the Word. That's why you submit to the Word. That's why you come under the Word. Because there is something being formed in you. Come on. And we got to check our attitude. Anyone can be excited when the attention is on them. But God uses time to reveal the motives of our heart. Don't be waiting mad. Don't stay frustrated. Don't act like God's been slow walking the promises. God has perfect timing. Come on, somebody. God isn't taking efficiency lessons from us. God knows when. And here are a few attitudes that I think will stop your winning and hurt your multiplication. The attitudes of this. Why isn't this easier? Where in the Bible did God say his way is easy? The Bible does say that he will take our burdens and he will give us what is light and we can give him what is heavy. But there is no verse in here that says he calls you to easy. God didn't call you to easy. He called you to his plan. The next attitude is grumbling, complaining, and being critical. Come on. I just need to say something. Can I be like five seconds of real? It's going to be longer than five seconds. It'll be about five minutes. Five minutes of real. Our world is captivated by entertainment. But wisdom doesn't come through entertainment. There are some things in your life that you're going to have to dig out for. In other words, if you sleep through every sermon, don't think that wisdom is coming to your house. In a world of TikTok and 25-second videos, you can be entertained. But don't think that something spiritual is being imparted into your life because wisdom proverbs tells us is something that you dig out. It's something that you work for. It's something that you build into your life. And I just need to say this. Don't be married two years critical of the people that are married 20. Because you're assuming that you know how to do it better, get to 20 and then talk. We've all been to Walmart and seen the one child in the aisle throw a fit. And in our naivety, we said, our children are never going to act that way. And come on, how many of y'all have eaten those words? You had about three of them. Critical people are the smartest ones in the room, but have achieved the least. Your value has given, been given to you by God. But our world is under this crazy notion that because I can Google it, and because I can contemplate it, that I can practice it and I can produce it. And so now we have a world full of entrepreneurs that haven't made $10,000 
but they're all business owners. Hear what I'm saying? When you walk in, the Bible teaches this. When you, a young man, walk into the room and there's an older man, sit down, catch a seat, and don't do all the talking. That's the only way you learn something. Come on. Wisdom is something that requires discipline. And when we are grumbling and complaining and being critical, that means we're always amplifying the negative. We're always, and I'm going to just tell you this, you can't do that in your marriage long term and stay married. You can't do that with your kids long term and them still keep coming around. You can't do that long term with your staff and people stay. Hear what I'm saying? Sure, there's a time for courageous conversation. Absolutely, there's a time to handle something and deal with something. But, but, but I have never seen anyone blessed that was critical. And if you're going to get the exceedingly abundantly in your life, you're going to have to check your attitude. The second thing is this is self-pity. Poor me. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. And I hear that all the time. I'm the only one that really sees what God's doing in America. You're the only one? Like you're the only one? I mean, that sounds like Elijah going to God and saying, I'm the only one that hasn't bowed my knee to Baal. No, well, there's actually 7,000 that haven't. I'm the only one. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm the only one that comes to church every Sunday and God hasn't still blessed. Here's what I'm saying. God is doing something in the waiting. What, here's the last one. It's convincing yourself that you've done everything right. Listen, I, I know I've messed up a lot, but in this situation, I just want you to know, like I've really soul searched and I've done everything right. Like I really can't find something that I messed up in, in this one. Come on. Let's stop pointing out everybody's mess up and let's repent from our sin Let's own our mistakes and let's own our missteps and let's let God cover us with his mercy and get back on to building nations. Come on, let's let God continue to move us forward. And God can't move us forward when we have a bad attitude. And here's the idea is Abraham, Sarai, and Hagar all had a bad attitude. And I just want you to contemplate this, that the angel went to Hagar and she came back and they all kept building together. Oh, weird. <laughs> the first wife and the second wife. It's your kid. Well, how do you do that? How do you begin to treat your ex with dignity? How do you, how do you begin to... Reach your hand out and extend to a son or a daughter that has treated you absolutely horrible. How do you begin to forgive a mom or a dad that for all practical purposes 
did everything wrong. See, God wants us to win in the waiting. And the only way that we win, the only way that Abraham and Sarai and Hagar and everybody continues to move forward is they all had to decide we're going to forgive and we're going to submit. We're going to forgive, come on, and we're going to submit. And the church will move forward if we throw down our offenses and we forgive and we submit. We can build some incredible things with all of our jacked up past and personality if we will forgive and we will submit. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap. Here's the fourth and the last. Is we got to remain diligent. Diligent. There is no doubt that chapter 16 of Genesis is a bump in the road. And there's enough blame to shatter the story and blow up the idea of building a nation. But God. You see, God intervened with love and with grace. And he showed the same amount of compassion to Abraham, Abram that he did to Hagar. And I know I need you to know that you may not feel like you're winning right now, but Hagar said, you are a God who sees me. And I just want you to know that God sees you, that God's looking after you, that God sees what's going on in your life. And church, I'm reminded of the old song, Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world, red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. He sees he sees you, and I need you to know that exceedingly abundantly doesn't happen because people show up. It's when we grow up that multiplication happens. Sure, this moment was bad enough to cancel everybody. Yet God had a plan, and that plan would happen through mankind and in spite of mankind. He, God, would touch normal, fearful, insecure people and do something remarkable. And he would get the glory. In Acts chapter 9, verse 31, Ben, you can go ahead and come up. It says this, Acts 9, 31. So the church throughout all of Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord. And the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Everybody say multiply. multiply. Come on, one more time. Say multiply. multiply. How do we multiply? How do we multiply? We're in the fear of the Lord. And we're comforted by the Holy Spirit. See, a church that is under the fear of the Lord, not the fear of government or the fear of man, but under the fear of the Lord and comforted by the Holy Spirit, that church cannot help but to multiply. For the church to continue to flourish, we got to remain diligent. We got we to gotta not quit. Come on, we got to throw down our offenses. And, and we got to build bridges rather than collect body bags. Listen to what I'm saying. For us as a church, fear, the fear of God. And the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I think it's important to say this. You may 
not really know what you're waiting for. But I need you to know that we are all waiting, listen to this, for the return of Jesus. Like we're all waiting. And if you're going to win in the waiting, it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to get frustrated. But here's the goal. The goal of your life isn't just individual wants or needs. We are waiting. Just like Abram was waiting on the promise, we are waiting on the promise of the Messiah to return. And don't get distracted. For the house, as a body of believers, we are in a building campaign. And I believe one of the ways that we win in the waiting is by building a place that will help more people that more space means more people which means more ministry and listen while we're here and the culture is getting darker the church come on is focused on the light and it's getting lighter last Sunday we had commitment card Sunday if you missed it you can put your commitment card in the tithe and offering uh, buckets on the wall mailboxes on the wall and last, last Sunday, we had $144,000 committed above the tithe. Come on. And that's awesome. We're praising God for that. As we, people are traveling, last week and this week, people have been traveling. But we're hoping that by the, by the end of this month, that our number is 200,000. That's our goal. 200,000 in commitments for 2020. Next Sunday is our heart for the house. That's completely different. The heart for the house is a one-time offering that we give and we are giving and all of this happens every year. We are giving so that there are some items, sound, lights, signage, things that we're doing that we feel like are depreciable and we want to handle those, come on, and pay those with cash. So we are asking for you, the church, and listen, listen to what I'm saying, to win in the waiting. Is all of us being diligent to do what we can do? And I believe this. As you're waiting on your miracle, you can help provide a miracle for this body, our body, as we begin to move forward and see more people minister to. So here's how I want to end today. Y'all pray over what you want to do. The only thing I'm asking you to do is ask God. He'll tell you. And whatever you can do, that'll be, that'll be God. I'm, honestly... I've come through. I have absolutely no pressure to build this building. I have none. God's going to do it. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I believe that God's going to use all of us to do it. So I'm, my, I, my head is not in the clouds. I'm just not going to wear the responsibility of making it happen. You know what I'm saying? You know, I know we can sell cars. Uh, anyway, uh, 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 joke. All right. Here's the thing. On all services... We begin to have some altar time. And I believe that this sermon began to identify. I know we talked a little longer tonight. But some things can't be imparted into your life quickly. 
And if you're here and you feel like you're struggling in the waiting, maybe there's something going on in your family, in your health. Uh, maybe you're praying for a child. Maybe maybe you're praying for marriage. Maybe, I don't know, like you're waiting. You feel like God's giving you some promise, like a ministry or something. And you feel like he's told you that. But but life is getting messy. And, and sometimes we feel like this is happening. And, and just like Abraham and Sarah... You're losing the hope of the calling of God that has been on your life. And I want to take a moment, and I want to pray for you. And so we're going to sing this just real quick, just right where you're at. Come on. We're going to sit in this moment. Come on. Come on. Come on. So we sing, come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. We bring everything to the feet of Jesus. Everything in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.